Thanks, thanks for having me. And uh, we are going to be talking about your book here, your latest book, uh, Living Water, uh, Christ's Encounter with the Woman at the Well. Now, I'm curious what, what drew you to this passage. As, as you mentioned in the book, um, this is a, a well-known passage that many people have studied, many people have, have, are familiar with. It's interesting, but it's not miraculous. Jesus didn't perform right. water into wine. This isn't walking on water. This isn't um, anything really spectacular in the supernatural sense, but it certainly draws in quite a few people. So, uh, what what led you to uh, to write on this on this uh, passage? Well, uh, to your point uh, before that, uh, I, I will say I think that is part of what draws so many people to that passage is the fact that there isn't anything. Well, there is Jesus uh, knowing the woman's history. There is that. But other than that, there's nothing really earth-shattering, miraculous. And I think just the the humanity of it all and uh, just the, the baseness, I guess the word is, of it all is what draws a lot of people to it. Um, the reason I wanted to write about it, um, well, I have a dear friend, uh, Dr. Ron Gatlin. In fact, he's the person the book's dedicated to. Um, he teaches a college class at a tabernacle, um, uh, tabernacle in Greenville. Uh, and he had a substitute one day. And, um, the lesson he wanted me to do was on Jesus and the woman at the well. And, uh, as I was preparing for it, uh, I realized, man, this, this story is just, there's so much to it. Mm. And yeah, base reading of it. Uh, you certainly get the sweetness and the love of Christ in it, uh, but you dig a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and deeper. And just like with any past of scripture, um, you just find out how incredible it is. Um, my favorite chapters that I wrote was on the history of Mount Gerizim right. uh, and the temple. And uh, just that that's kind of what drew me to it. Um, I started studying it more and I just fell in love with the passage more and more as I did. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because because it's, it's a it's a short book and it's intended to be short. Um, I, I believe you said right. it, it could be read in about ninety minutes or so. Um, so this right. this could be read in just one sitting, or if you're me, two or three. But um, I, I I love this because it it does go into some depth here, some things I didn't realize. Um, so you have. You have this woman Jesus is talking with, and they kind of get into a theological argument that right. you're quick to just jump over. But then you realize, right. okay, there's this debate between the Samaritans and uh, the the Jews over where to worship. But I don't think I've ever really heard anyone actually explain that because it's it's nowhere in the New Testament, right? Uh, this this debate. So yeah, g- give us a little bit of that. Well, yeah, and this this uh, this was just a, a when, when you start uh, piecing together scripture scripture, it's just uh, it's funny how it all goes together, right? right. <laughs> it's almost as if it's almost as if God wrote it. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, you you go all the way back to um, uh, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, and. Um, Zerubbabel, uh, he wanted to rebuild the temple. That was why he was there. In fact, uh, I feel like Zerubbabel should have had a name in one of those two books, but 
that's neither here nor there. Zerubbabel had a really big part in rebuilding the temple, and um, and they got to work. And this group called the Samaritans they, they came along, and they asked, "Hey, we're we're the same as you. We're brothers, even though they were kind of, kind of not. They were maybe uh, yeah, half half halfway brothers, if you will, because they had intermarried with Gentiles. So, um." They said, we're your brothers. We worship the same God. Uh, can we help you rebuild this temple? And uh, and Zerubbabel very wisely said no. Um, and, the, and it doesn't say in the passage why he said no, um, but it was a very wise decision to make, mainly because, one, the Samaritans, they claimed to worship the same God, but they were worshiping graven images as the one true God. So they claim to worship Jehovah, but they worship Jehovah in the form of a, I don't know if it was golden calf or it was a something, right? And that's still wrong. Uh, Thou shalt have no graven images is what God says. So if Zerubbabel had have let them join in the rebuilding of the temple, well, then you're allowing for a whole group of people who worship differently to come on in. It would have really muddied up the waters. Um, but this is where that rift between the Jews and the Samaritans begins, and that's why in the New Testament, the Samaritans are seen as these boogeymen, right? I mean, every time you want to mention someone bad, you talk about a Samaritan, um, and it all goes back to there. Uh, they started worshiping on Mount Gerizim, and the Jews continued to worship in the temple. Yeah, and that's it really gives a, a needed perspective on this passage. Because you almost right. get the idea that Jews are just a bunch of racists who um, they just don't like the Samaritans for whatever reason. Sure, this gives a, this gives a little bit uh, more light on that, and and so there's a reason why these Jews didn't go through Samaria. No, mm -hmm. Jesus said, "No, I'm I'm going through. I need to go through here," and um, it gives us really just a greater idea of just what's going on and the fact that Jesus is witnessing to this woman um who is not just despised by jews despised by her own people even um but this is a woman who would have some serious disagreements theologically with this messiah and so right. I, I i like the perspective you take on um even just learning how to witness properly um how jesus interacted with this woman first off i I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, um, but you have a whole chapter dedicated to this. But, you know, when you're when you're witnessing to people, you should probably be nice. <laughs> um, and, and, but you and I really that doesn't always happen. Right. Right. Well, when I was um, when I was I don't know if I put this in the book or not, I, I may not have. But when I was a teenager, I, I was going door door to door soul winning with a partner. And uh, the guy, he he said to the person at the door, he said, if I were to pull out a gun and shoot you today, yeah. would you go to heaven? Um, needless to say, that guy did not accept Christ right. at his door. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's remarkable. Uh, right. But and, and we can I'm sure we both can sit down and share lots more stories about that, whether it's mm -hmm. the street preacher or whether it's um, the in your face person. Here, Jesus is talking to somebody, but he's gentle. But at the same time, he's truthful. So he doesn't compromise 
uh, truth in his attempt to relate to this person, to be nice to this person, he still calls out her sin. So what, what kind of part does that, to that play in our evangelism? Oh, um, uh, all of it. (laughs) Um, the, the entire part, um, you know, uh, Christ, uh, commands us, uh, well, the, the epistles command us to speak the truth in love. I'll share an example. Um, I, I can think of plenty of examples as a pastor where you can err one way or another. Yeah. You can err toward loving people and just making people feel good. And that's what a lot of churches and pastors do today. But on the other hand, you can err toward just bashing people over the head with their sins and, and essentially hating people for their sin. There is a person who read this book and they were just so drawn by the person of Christ. Um, that person, uh, and I'm trying to be very vague here just in case they're listening. Sure. Um, but uh, but that person has started attending our church, and that person is living in some sin. Um, and they know that, but they also know that there is a church and that there's a pastor that loves her. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we're missing a lot these days. Is uh, uh, we need to speak the truth, but we need to speak the truth in love, and that's how we bring people to Christ. It's not one one or the other; it's both. So, yeah. in fact, uh, most people aren't going to be able to handle what they need to about their sin until you they, they find out that you are someone who has their best interests in mind. You're someone who actually cares, and therefore right. they're going to listen to you. Um, so again, yeah, it's it's not an either or; it's a both. And, right. Doing one to get to the other, and you, you, and even you, you're and you're not just looking to manipulate someone so you can get in their face and talk about their sin, but even talking about their sin is for the ultimate purpose of bringing them to see, embrace, and and be amazed by the love, grace, and forgiveness of God, and that's the that's. The ultimate thing. We're not just looking to get people to, aha, see, I got you. Therefore, I'm better than you. Right. 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 Uh, something I, I've said when it comes to biblical confrontation uh, is if if you uh, if, if you want to confront somebody with their sin and deep down inside your motive is you want to feel some sort of spiritual superiority or you want to put that person down, uh, it would just be best to not do it at all. Mm. Um, you know, the, the heart has to be a heart of love, uh, wanting to see that person draw closer to God. Uh, and if there's any malice in your heart, well, it's better to just shut up. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the other thing you mentioned in your book uh, that we're kind of in the the same area, you know, leave the arguing behind. I'm the, and I need to hear that because I'm that, I, I I love to argue and I love, I, I, I tend sometimes to approach conversations like a prosecutor uh, uh, approaching a case. I'm, I'm going to take you step by step, and I'm going to show you where you're wrong, and I'm going to, aha, and by the time I'm done, the jury's going to all stand and applaud uh, my rhetorical wit and uh, <laughs> logical conclusions. And you'll have to admit that you're wrong, but, I mean, the damage that can be done with that is incredible. Right. I'm not further in the kingdom. I'm I, I'm damaging the work of Christ, and by not highlighting that, and it all becomes about me. Right, 
Right. And yep, then there you go. Uh, what should it all be about? Christ. Right. Um, there was a debate, uh, man, uh, and uh, I don't have all the because I'm just trying to pull out the top of my head. I think it was a creation versus evolution debate, um, not not scopes, but um, it was another one of the more important ones. Sure. And um, the creationist, he got up there and just wiped the living daylights out of the evolutionist. Um, but he did so in a ungraceful way. And most of the people walked out of that debate siding with the evolutionist, not because he had better points, but because, uh, well, they, they kind of felt sorry for him. Right. Um, you, you attract more flies with honey than vinegar. Yeah. So, and so I really think, and we got to wrap this up. So I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time here, but that's one of the things I, I really like about this book is that you highlight Christ. And I think you get a, a, a better appreciation for his love, for his gentleness, for his kindness, for um, his desire to see people come to him. And, and ultimately, I think you walk away from this book thinking, I need to be more like Jesus. And I don't know of a better recommendation for a book than that. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, that's that was that was the heart. <laughs> That was the heart. I just want people to be more like him. All right. So where can you get the book? You can find it on Amazon. We'll have a link to it. Again, Living Water, Christ's Encounter with the Woman at the Well by Curtis King. And so, Curtis, thank you for joining us um, back on the podcast. I'd have you back if we come back. Uh, but I want to thank you for taking the time and, and being with us here in the final days. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. And uh and um, I'm 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 hoping that it's not quite the final days, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm open to what the Lord has. Um, but we're not done yet because we've still got uh, a few more episodes to put out. And uh, so, Chris, I want you to know that you were so important. I wanted to make sure we didn't end this until we could talk about your book. And again, well, that's, another, that. that's another recommendation uh, for the book. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Again, uh, look, you can you can still find all of the episodes at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. I'll keep those up for quite some time. And um, check me out on Twitter at my new handle, Thompsonian Man, which sounds like a cartoon, but um, I was going to say superhero, but <laughs> I, I I don't want to say I'm not a superhero, but I do have an identity to keep secret. They're right. right. You have people to protect. <laughs> You're right. All right. Uh, so we'll have a link to where you can uh, purchase this book. Chris, again, thank you for joining us, and thank all of you for joining us. So uh, join us back next time for, again, as we as we count down toward the end. So have a great, uh, I would say, rest of your week, but I don't know how, how often I'm going to put these out. So until next time, farewell. Uh, so we'll have a link to where you can uh, purchase this book. Chris, again, thank you for joining us and thank all of you for joining us. So uh, join us back next time for, again, as we as we count down toward the end. So have a great, uh, I would say, rest of your week, but I don't know how, how often I'm going to put these out. So until next time, farewell.